Welcome back to part two of this week's Rock Show with me, Andy Fox. Thank you for joining us. Now, Houses of the Holy was the fifth studio album from Led Zeppelin, released in March 1973. It was the follow-up to the classic Led Zeppelin IV album, which had become their bestseller so far, going on to sell over 37 million worldwide. Houses of the Holy was recorded throughout 1972 at Stargroves, that's Mick Jagger's uh, home, and Headley Grange, and was their first release to have an explicit title, although the cover, once again without a title or band name printed on the sleeve, proved controversial as it featured images of naked children climbing across Giant's Causeway in Northern Ireland. It was inspired by the sci-fi novel Childhood's End. Although initial response was mixed, Houses of the Holy became another commercial success. Led Zeppelin's fourth number one for two weeks in April 1973 and selling over 10 million eventually and going diamond. Tonight we celebrate 50 years of Houses of the Holy with the thoughts of Robert Plant, Jimmy Page and John Paul Jones. Firstly, Robert Plant. The great thing about it was it was always an opportunity for somebody else to contribute from another direction. Bonzo came up with riffs by singing them while he was playing odd drum patterns and Jonesy would come up with great stuff. I mean, it was... I think Jimmy was more studious, if you like, and worked much more at home on things and gave it much more long-term period thought. You know, I didn't really do that because I didn't really play anything and I didn't really want to. When I was doing it, I was doing it, and when I wasn't... I certainly wasn't, you know. I didn't feel that I had to go around with a cloak of endeavour around my shoulders all the time. If anybody was conscientious, it was Jimmy. And if anybody put the most amount of time into the whole idea, it was him. And uh, you can tell, you know. We all had this great sort of entity, which was the, the board on which to schedule our ideas. The four of us, you could throw anything into the middle and see what happened. But my contributions were very instantaneous, generally. We've been using the Rolling Stones mobile track at Headley Grange for the fourth album, but now we're using the R Rolling Stones mobile track, but at Mick Jagger's country house in Stargrove and uh, in Berkshire, I think it is Berkshire, and um, so we kick off the recording there and bring in the en an engineer who worked on the second album with us. Um, Eddie Kramer. And I was keen to change. I, I actually wanted to change the locations mm. and the engineers on every album so they sounded different. That's really radical. People didn't do that. and I had faith in that. And I had an idea whereby if we had something which is really sort of punchy and unexpected as an opening track, something which would set the scene with dynamics, to, like, it basically is like an overture, that you have that and then it goes into Rain Song in much the same way as we were doing it in live performances, like, for example, on Song Remains the Same. However, the original idea of this was the guitar instrumental. 
So we started working on this first part, this overture, and uh, there was a suggestion that we had a half time in the middle of it, and Robert started singing the verses, and then it became a song. So the overture became Song Remains the Same, the song.
And Jimmy did turn up with the majority, if not all, of the Rain song. And that was really quite something. And it developed in such a classy way. The sound of the recording, the sound of the kit, the bass, the way the song moved and breathed, the Mellotron, which is just that little bit out of tune. It was a smoky song for a smoky, you know, jazz lounge in a way, except for it wasn't. It was just so pretty. And um, I, I heard it and I went, well, what am I going to, what do I do there? You know. You can't do run around Sue to that. I think the version of Rain Song is really superb on this too. I mean, I just really do. It's got this piano on it, but that really builds up to John Paul Jones's Mellotron playing, which is really superb on this. It is a springtime on my loving.
decisions were made on uh, on the overdubs on these things and um, um, the picture was becoming quite clear for what ought to be occurring in the mixing although they're alternate mixes done you know different different venues different places different studios um, it's good to be able to put some of the sort of working work in progress before it even gets to the point where you might have a, an alternate mix at another studio or whatever and uh, well, I mean, one of the things that's really good is to be able to have, like, no quarter, where 
you know, it's like a John Paul Jones keyboard extravaganza on it. It's, it's absolutely beautiful, he's playing on it. And, uh, and it's nice to be able to put that in on the Houses of the Holy One because, again, without this sort of dedication to the whole project, you know, it probably wouldn't have surfaced, do you know what I mean? So uh, it, it was worth all the, the hours of sort of trawling through, finding things, just to have all these sort of gems, really. piano and then I tried it out on electric piano and put it through a VCS3 synthesizer that I had at the time that I was experimenting with anyway which is all over this record now come to think of it and we were a synth band in the 70s unfortunately <laughs> we didn't tell anybody that, so that was, I don't think anybody even noticed but it just had a vibe and it had an atmosphere about it I think it was faster originally and then we slowed it down I had the basically the riff and the melody line. I actually played the melody line as part of the, the riff, as it were. So he had the melody and he had he had everything there. And then Paige came in with the um, with a sort of the rockier B part, and he put it together. And it just like this works.
Led Zeppelin and the superb No Quarter from their album Houses of the Holy. We're celebrating 50 years of that album as it was released in March 1973. Once again, here's Jimmy Page. The fact was, whether we liked it or not, we were brought together by fate and it was sort of fated that we should change music, I think, you know? And we certainly did. I was very fortunate to have a strong family, a rural life. I never lived in a city, really. And so there were a lot of pastoral things around me that made me feel some sort of crazy empathy with my surroundings, I think. And I think the company that we were keeping in those days were the incredible string band and uh, with Robin Williamson and with the Fairport gang and all those people together. There was a quite a pastoral and a, a mellow lyrical thing going on and that was really inspiring for me being british i couldn't use fantastic city names or barroom stuff and i had no interest in that at all you know there's nothing evocative about singing about wolverhampton really but you can sing get out of tulsa somehow it seems okay so i was leaning more and more into that sort of other world of the pastoral and being impressed and reading lots of uh, historical and quasi-historical writings and stuff. I was just drawn to trying to express something that gave some soliloquy. But I was very, very naive and very, uh, not really, very accomplished for quite a long time. But then as time went on and my world got bigger and my shoulders got broader, I got into it more and I, I was able to express myself better. But it was always the idea of trying to couple what I'd got to sing about with the powerhouse that was around me. And the subtlety of the powerhouse, too, that has to be said, because Zeppelin was a very um, remarkable beast. Just like Zepp were really renowned, became incredibly renowned, we were never in the mainstream. I mean, maybe we were definitely cynical, but we used to go and watch bands who had purported to have power, but the power was out of a can, you know? And it would get expended at the wrong time. It wasn't... As Robert Palmer calls it, deep blues. It wasn't the rock and roll equivalent. There wasn't a lot of it around. I just think that that's all that music is to me. It's excitement, it's the chill. The thing that I do remember is that whole situation with the fourth album. Because it was quite a sort of tussle as far as its release went. The, uh... Covers started to take a bit of time to do. One of the ones that took quite a while to do was the third album cover. Because of the Holy was particularly tricky to get the colours right in all the sort of rock pools. And anyway, it's quite probable that we were doing the numbers before the album was released. Because we were like that, we'd just do that. We were sort of spreading the word as we were going. We were including anything and everything that was new and substantial and had been recorded all the way through. So... We were playing music in advance of the second album's release, obviously, and all of that. And so we would have been doing that. We did, on all of the albums, even the third album. John Bonham was an extraordinary drummer, which we all know. Across this. And the first thing that I'd like to establish about John Bonham's playing was that it was all done with the wrists. Um, and, 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 and he knew how to dr- tune his drums as a science, so... When he hit the drum, it would really project out of it because he knew how to tune the skin so that it would do that. It's an acoustic instrument, and he knew how to make it really as big as possible. I mean, he wanted his drums to sound really big. Um, so, so yeah, okay, you know that that was uh, 
that that was his massive technique.
Celebrating 50 years of the classic Led Zeppelin album, Houses of the Holy, it came out in March 1973. From it, we played classic tracking was Dancing Days, and from the album, within the interview, we played The Song Remains the Same, The Rain Song, what a beautiful song that is, No Quarter and The Ocean. Now, I've got copies of the deluxe version of Eyes of the Holy to give away, plus I've got some Led Zeppelin books to give away. So if you're interested, uh, I'm going to ask you a quick question, and we'll keep the uh, email line open for quite some time on this one give you time to have a think about it uh since the death of john bonham in 1980 led zeppelin have, have appeared guest wise with several drummers playing with them um i made it four in fact how many can you of those can you name uh led zeppelin have used four drummers since the death of john bonham in 1980 and one of the reasons why they've never reunited is of course because john bonham died in 1980 and Robert Plant doesn't want to do it, and I don't blame him. Uh, at least he stuck to his principles there. Um, I interviewed him once, and he said, I want to love and cherish Led Zeppelin and all the memories and keep it in a little box and get it out now and again and look at it and leave it at that. And he has moved on considerably with his career. So, Led Zeppelin have used four drummers since the death of John Bonham in 1980, how many can you name? And we'd like the names, please. Rockshow at gtfm.co.uk. Winners will get um, copies of the deluxe version of Houses of the Holy. And runners-up will get uh, Hammer of the Gods, the book on Led Zeppelin. Now it's time for the second track from our featured album. It comes from the band called Doomsday Outlaw. This is called You Make It Easy.
Your radio, The Rock Show on GTFM. Of course, is Spillways from Ghost, which features Joe Elliott. A recent track from the Imperia album, which got to number two exactly a year ago. It's currently getting quite a lot of um, national airplay, fair play to them. Uh, but remember where you heard Ghost first, of course. Uh, like I said, that is Spillways. Now, Avenged Sevenfold will release an eighth studio album, Life is But a Dream, yeah, on June the 2nd. Its release is nearly seven years after the stage in 2016 the first single from it is called nobody
brand new track from Avenge Sevenfold. It's called Nobody. Their album is coming out in June. It's called Life is But a Dream. Now, for tonight's rare track, we're going to go back to March 1993, 30 years ago. And uh, ironically enough, the collaboration from Jimmy Page and one David Coverdale for a one and only album release which had mixed reactions, call it, calling it uh, Coverdale Page. But some called it a second-rate Led Zeppelin. However, it charted in 12 countries, including number four in the UK and number five in the US of A. It went gold uh, in Japan and platinum in Canada. And uh, I have heard uh, rumours that there's a, uh, an expanded new version coming out with some extra tracks. In fact, I did see a track on the internet called Saccharin, um, which apparently was an outtake from the album that they didn't release. Anyway, Steve Parkin uh, suggested a track. He said it's an underrated album with some great songs, especially the one he's chosen, which is the one I'm going to play. Robert Plant, though, hates it. He says it's Led Zeppelin, but not as we know it. And I wonder where he got that vocal star from. Ouch! Anyway... This is Coverdale Page from the album Coverdale Page. Take me for a little while.
Oh